Hey, welcome back to Ramblin' Riders Podcast. I'm Brian Castle, your host, founder and CEO of Mark Life Communications, joined by my psychedelic soul sister, lead copywriter, noble genius, Suzette Feller. Hello, everybody. Thank you for that generous introduction. Always. Suzette, is today not the most special episode we've ever recorded? It certainly, certainly is, Brian. And tell us why. It's not every day we have true American royalty in our midst. Today we have a queen, Jackie Ferguson. Welcome to the pod, Jackie. Thank you both so much. Oh my gosh. I hope you didn't uh, oversell it to the audience. And then <laughs> no. I'm so glad to be here. Let me let me finish my introduction and they'll see just why. I've known you, Jackie, for five or six years, and it's through some of the most amazing companies and groups of people uh, operating out of the Triangle region, Raleigh-Durham. You've now had a, a, a long, for such a young person, a long and very career path. Yeah. And... Uh, it's taken you to small businesses, multiple startups, mm -hmm. and even all the way to Fortune 500 companies. Yeah. You're one of those people that walks into any setting. Pretty much, you've been there and done it. And so now in the last two years, uh, you've become a certified diversity executive. Mm -hmm. Tell us how you got to this moment. Yeah, it, it certainly was a, a winding path, right? I I knew that I was a good writer. So I went to the University of South Florida and majored in professional writing. Um, I figured that was a good foundation for whatever I wanted to do since I wasn't quite sure. And I spent, I don't know, the next 20 years not being sure. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I, I did a lot of different things from uh, sales to marketing to executive support, HR in many different industries. So I worked um, for City, um, which is finance. I worked for Aramark, which is um, a few things, but hospitality uh, is, is where I was. And, um, you know, then worked for startups in tech and marketing, um, you know, and, and a few other odd jobs here and there. Uh, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, one of the things that benefited me is serving as an executive assistant for high level executives um, throughout my career. So that was the path that I was on the longest, allowed me to see um, from that high level view how an organization operates. Um, and what CEOs think about, what leaders think about, what keeps them up at night. And, you know, a lot of times people look at the executive assistant as someone that's, you know, setting the calendar invites and responding to, to emails, but there's, there's so much more to that. And I was able to see really how tough it is to have those standards and maintain those standards in an organization when, You've got people that want to work hard and people that are there for the check and a lot of folks in between. And so working at Walk West, which is a 
award-winning marketing agency. And one of the things that our CEO, Donald Thompson, was starting to do was talk um, in these keynotes about diversity and inclusion. And because we were naturally um, diverse at that organization at the time, we were able to really innovate in a different way. We were more creative because we had lots of different voices, different experiences at the table. And so he decided that we should create a course, an e-learning course on diversity and inclusion. And so I volunteered for that, you know, as I often do, (laughs) (laughs) jumping into something new and had really no idea how to create an an e-learning course. I, you know, come from a diverse background. So, you know, my family is, um, multicultural, you know, multiracial, multi-regional, different uh, generations. And so I understood diversity and inclusion, I think a little better. I had had a head start for, you know, more than most. And so I wanted to write this course and it was a, it was tough, right? Starting from scratch with no real blueprint, having to, to learn as you teach was, was hard, but I, I loved it. And we were able to um, generate enough interest in in the course and from from organizations all over the country, small organizations, enterprise level organizations that we were able to start a company. Um, And that's how the diversity movement got started. And um, now we've got, you know, an amazing, talented group of individuals that are working to make the world a little bit better. So you just revealed something. So this is this is sort of akin to, and this also happened at Walk West, I know, where it's sort of like how y'all developed uh, alternative to PowerPoint proposals. Mm-hmm. And it became kind of this cloud-based platform that you commercialized outside of the agency walls. Uh, yeah, proposal. Proposal. Mm-hmm. And so this is amazing. So basically this course was the seed of what is now, I was going to call it a big oak tree, but it's more like runaway kudzu. Like y'all are, (laughs) y'all are growing, y'all are growing (laughs) tall and wide and all over the place, right? Yes. yes. It's, you know, it's been a a awesome ride. I'll, I'll tell you, it's, you know, we're continuing to learn, continuing to grow, Um, We've got some just amazing leaders, entrepreneurs that have kind of, you know, closed down shop to come work with us because they're passionate about the work, passionate about the team. And it's just been so much fun and a blessing. One of the things that I keep talking to our team about is I feel like we're meeting a moment, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're probably finding that your business development team, your consultants. Are y'all finding that people's ears, ears, eyes, and hearts are more open to this? They definitely are. You know, when we started writing this course, it was 2019. And so when we launched the course was right before, um, you know, last summer when, you know, George Floyd was murdered and, you know, Breonna Taylor and, and, and the spotlight on racial inequity and injustice. And so um, all of a sudden there was a call, right? 
traditionally, we don't talk about certain things in the workplace. And, you know, that includes race, politics, religion, and all of those things that could make people feel uncomfortable. And so there was a sudden call to, to address this with employees, with clients, and, you know, what do you have to say? And many companies found themselves unprepared in the moment because they hadn't prioritized diversity in their organization to know who to ask, to your, to your point earlier, Brian, and didn't know what to do, but, but felt that they needed to do something because there was a real um, hurt among underrepresented individuals, especially um, Black people in America. What happened last summer wasn't new to us, right? But the spotlight on it was was tough to deal with on a daily basis. And you, you take that plus your own personal experience and you're hurt, right? You're hurting. And you want your organization, you want your community to support you um, and stand with you. And organizations weren't ready for that, right? So um, we found ourselves going from this very reasonable trajectory of growth (laughs) that we had planned out to suddenly this explosion of need, um, which had us working around the clock, really. Um, but it was it was really fantastic to be able to provide support and guidance to organizations who who needed it beyond just making that statement, right? The good heart and making the statement, your employees and your customers want to know what are you going to do next, right? And and so our work is centered around making sure that organizations have inclusive cultures and understand the benefits. Um, to their culture and to their organization overall. So we're curious, you know, we know you define yourself, uh, your definition of self far transcends diversity movement (laughs) or any other professional pursuit. And and I think you like to characterize yourself as an activist also. Yes, absolutely. Tell us about the pursuits the spaces you try to influence on a, on a personal level as an activist? So, you know, this, this started when I was in my early 20s um, because having interracial parents, you know, I got to see the difference between how my white father was treated and my Black mother. Um, you know, one story that I'll, I'll share quickly is my mother once went to, you know, Kmart was the, the big box store back in the day before Target and, you know, which ages me a little bit, but that's okay. The blue lights, the, that's the, right. I, the ICs, man, it was the jam. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> going in for one or two things as we often do in those big box stores and coming out with a cart full of stuff. So she gets to the um, the register. And, you know, back then, again, I'm dating myself, but she wrote a check for what was in her basket and they wouldn't take her check. So she, she leaves the store without, you know, that cart of, of stuff. And my father was in the mall at the time, but not in the store. 
And she explained to him what happened. And he was livid, as you can imagine. So he went and gathered up all the stuff that she wanted and went through that same line, same cashier, took the check, no problem. The issue there is that the check was the from the same checkbook, the same account. A joint account, right? Right. Yeah. And so that was my first experience with understanding privilege and understanding how people view other people. And because of that and, and other experiences that, that I had throughout my life, by the time I was in my 20s, I started to really recognize that the LGBTQ plus community was severely marginalized. And, you know, with the AIDS epidemic, um, you know, at, at its height then, and the way that people in that community were being treated was egregious to me. And understanding the different, you know, I, I had the privilege of being a cis hetero woman. And I wanted to volunteer and I, I did in many regards. Um, you know, I stood as barrier and to the, the protesters of pride events and the, the celebrants of pride events and, you know, volunteered for organizations where I sometimes was the only person to, to give a hug to someone who just got, you know, a diagnosis of HIV. And I don't talk about that a lot because I often cry, even, you know, that was gosh, 25 years ago now. Um, but just understanding how people feel alone based on the narratives that other people have. And so I've always been passionate about what I've you know been able to do and contribute um, to the LGBTQ plus community. Over the past 10 years, I've gotten involved with um, women and, and especially black women in STEM because, you know, there's not enough underrepresented women in, you know, science, math, technology, engineering. And so I wanted to make sure that I'm able to volunteer and donate significantly there. Um, yeah, I, but it's, it's so important that people get to see that they matter to others that are not part of that group. Right. And and where you can be an ally, where you can be an advocate, I encourage you to, to do that, to understand what your privileges are, what your identity is and how you can reach out and, and help others, pour into others, advocate for others. It's so important. Thank you so much, Jackie. Uh, we still have a lot more to explore. We'll be back after a short break. If you like Ramblin' Writers, you'll love Parklife Insights. Head to parklifecom.com and hit the Insights tab. You'll find all of our podcasts as well as blog articles and our free white paper on thought leadership. That's parklifecom with two ms.com. Now, Jackie, we've spoken to you a lot just now about diversity with regard to race and gender and sexuality. But obviously, a, a big part of your work is teaching people that diversity spans 
far beyond those definitions. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about neurodiversity, which I know is something that's really important to you, not Mm -hmm. only because you understand the power that it can bring to an organization, kind of unlocking that potential, that untapped talent, but also because you're pretty open about being a neurodivergent professional yourself. That's right. So I'd love to just hear a little more about what neurodiversity means to you and why it is so important. Sure, Suzette. So, you know, I'm dyslexic. I found out that I was dyslexic in college um, when I when I was tested. Um, somewhere around middle school, I started getting not so great at math. Started mixing up my words a little bit. Like letters would mix up. I would spell things wrong, um, and you know didn't really think too much about it um, because I was still getting good enough grades, right? But in college, I was tested and and found out that I had dyslexia and I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my parents. Um, I didn't, you know, my, I told my husband and my mother when I published an article with the National Diversity Council on dyslexia, on neurodiversity, Um, And it said that I was dyslexic. So um, this was like two years ago. And so I, you know, I called my mom and said, look, um, this article's coming out very excited because it's the National Diversity Council, um, but it's going to say that I'm dyslexic. And I want to talk to you about that. And the reason why I didn't share that with anyone is because so often neurodiversity is seen as a a disability rather than an asset and a disability that hinders uh, you from performing your job well. And I didn't want anything to hold me back. Um, Now, what I've come to learn is that there are so many entrepreneurs in particular that are neurodiverse. If you think about Richard Branson and um, Glenn Stearns, even so many. And, and it's really interesting. And the difference is most people think in a very linear way, first this, then this, then this. People who are neurodiverse often think around a topic in a, in a totally different way. They think more holistically. So in business and, you know, just thinking about creating this course and starting this business, I'm able to think about this is what I need to do. This is how I feel it's going to be received. This is how people learn. So I'm thinking around and around and around so that I come up with a stronger product. And if there are, you know, issues to mitigate, um, I know what those are generally fast. So I get to a better prototype faster than, than people who think linearly. And so I've, I've found that it's a, a real strength and it's so important to understand there's so many aspects of diversity and people think about just race and gender, right? Sometimes sexual orientation. But if you think about personality, learning style, neurodiversity, experience, right? Background, that's all part of your diversity and your unique story. And it's important, you know, as we talk about what diversity is, that people feel included and not excluded because everyone has 
something to leverage and a lot of somethings to leverage to create better results for organizations, for communities, for, you know, every type of group. So. Well, Suzette and Annie and I just did a lot of work recently in the ADHD space, which is Mm -hmm. an adjacent uh, condition. And I'm very comforted in the study that diversity professionals are advancing. These are superpowers. Like Mm -hmm. these are, these are because they are mental in nature. When you figure out like the world is geared to, for the supposed majority Mm -hmm. to be able to harness like the person that can look spreadsheets, make me want my mommy. I can't stand (laughs) it. Um, But once people are equipped you know, whether that's some kind of treatment or a lot of times therapies and coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And a lot of yours are self-taught, correct? Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Then you get down to getting the business, right? Because, you know, you're, you're unfettered. You're actually harnessing that mental superpower. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a superpower. And, you know, just because when you have an idea or a challenge, everyone comes at it from their own experience, right? And and when you think linearly, you want to go through the steps that make the most sense and that's reasonable. But when you're neurodiverse, you're coming from all different sides all at the same time. And very often, which is sometimes frustrating to my, my colleagues is I'll ask, you know, I'm on the second question before you even finish answering the first because I'm already thinking here and I'm thinking here and I'm thinking here and it's um you know it takes all types of thinkers right it's better for me to have some linear thinkers with me so that we can you know hit whatever the problem is whatever the idea is from all different angles you know it's important to me that neurodiversity is seen as a superpower and and seen as something to be leveraged rather than something to hold someone back. I know like, like for me, you know, neurodiversity was a word that I had never even heard before, before we started working with the diversity movement. And that's just one example of how having this partnership with you all has really, um, made us better at our work because we've, we've learned so much about diversity and inclusion. And I just wonder, you know, for, for marketing agencies that aren't as lucky as we are to have a partner who really knows their stuff on all things DEI, you know, what would you tell those agencies is the intersection of DEI and marketing? And um, I guess kind of more broadly, like how do these two spaces, DEI and marketing kind of interact with each other? How are they important to each other? And what do you kind of see as like the best practices as far as marketing agencies wanting to incorporate that DEI lens into their work? That's a great question, Suzette. And it, you know, it's intertwined in my opinion. It needs to be. One of the things that you'll find, you know, marketing agencies specifically are, you know, customer facing. So those messages come out to customers. Those ads come out to customers. And if we think about, you know, some of the missteps with, with Dove and, um, 
you know, Victoria's Secret and so many other companies, right? I could, I could go down the list. Um, it's because they didn't have diverse voices in the room when they rolled through these plans and these ads. And, you know, the issue is you're not speaking to, you know, the, the old demographic of the, you know, white male Christian middle-class consumer, the consumers now there, there's so many, and, and you don't want to miss out on market share of spend of diverse um, people in society, which is taking over the majority um, because your messaging is, is too narrow. You want to be able to message lots of different people and, you know, and again, just in those missteps, oh, they, they set you back, they cost you. And, you know, I know Dove has done such a better job lately because they've, they've brought real, you know, diverse voices to the table, which they needed to, because they were making, they, they made a few mistakes. (laughs) So it wasn't just one lesson learned. It was multiple. And as our society changes, if you're not in lockstep with messaging to properly include more people, you're going to, you're going to get left behind. You know, I always use the example of, of Blockbuster, right? Netflix went to Blockbuster and said, Hey, we've got a great idea. And Blockbuster said, everybody's coming in on Friday night, right? And Brian, I know you did this too. Friday night, you went to the video store, you got your videos, I'm too young. I'm too young for a blockbuster. (laughs) And you know, your popcorn and and that's how you spent your Friday night, right? And yeah. But you know, Blockbuster is now gone because they weren't keeping up with how our society was changing and and how their habits were changing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so true. And I I think even to a company like Victoria's Secret, they've Mm. experienced um, a lot of issues with their value kind of declining mm-hmm. in recent years, despite the fact that they were once kind of like the big name absolutely in mm-hmm. you know underwear and um, intimates, and they're being surpassed by brands like Airy and Rihanna's brand Savage X Fenty because yep. these brands just do a much much better job of inclusive advertising, and that's something that's really important to today's consumers. I mean, I know, especially like people my age, that's, mm-hmm. that's huge. And I I can even tell the difference in my own life. Like nobody I know ever talks about or shops at Victoria's Secret anymore. Mm-hmm. Not since like 2012 mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and like Airy and Savage are like huge. So it's, 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 it's kind of like get with the program or like you're just kind of going to waste away. <laughs> That's true. And, you know, I asked my daughter about this and my, my daughter is an athlete, so she fits whatever. Right. And, and I was talking to her about this and she said, I want to see more inclusive advertisements and more inclusive um, organizations. And we we were talking specifically about Victoria's Secret versus Aerie. And I said, Diana, why does this matter to you, right? So if, you know, if you fit in these demographics, right, you, then you say, yes, you want people that look like you, but she, you know, whatever 
ad she's looking at, people look like her. So why does that matter to her? And, and what she said was, my friends are diverse, right? Not all my friends are athletes, right? That some of my friends have disabilities. Some of my friends are, you know, are curvier. Some of my friends, you know, are this or that or whatever. And she wants to shop in, in for, with organizations and, and patronize organizations that care about that. And, and that is just the truth. And Gen Z, I'm telling you, they care about that. And if you're not ready for them in the marketplace and in the workplace, you're going to be left behind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that was a very productive conversation. We learned a lot. And now I'd like to wrap up with something kind of fun. And this is something that I'm bringing back from the very early days of our podcast. We did this maybe in like the first few episodes and then kind of let it go for a while, but I'm bringing it back today. And I want to finish up by asking you what is inspiring you lately? Mm. So it might be a movie, book, song, a person in your life, just anything that's inspiring you as a creative, because like castle, <laughs> <Ryan> <laughs> <laughs> Because you you are a creative just like us. I mean, we spend a lot of time today talking about your line of work with DEI stuff, but a huge part of your day-to-day is being a creative. So yeah. I'd imagine that like me, you're constantly kind of looking for these inspiration points in your life. You know, Suzette, I, I have to say that what's inspiring me right now is my mom. You know, no matter how old you get, you always want your mom's approval. And what I'm doing right now, you know, if if you look back on the things that I've done professionally, I've always been behind the scenes. Um, and now I'm having to step out in front. And if I think back to like how easy this conversation is, and of course I know you both and, and it's just lots of fun, but my very first podcast I lost my breath because I was so nervous, right? And stepping out and and being in front has been, you know, new and a challenge and scary and being a leader, you know, because I I'm I'm definitely a creative, but having to lead a company, you're not able to spend as much time digging into the words and and being, you know, a creative as you want to. It's more about managing people and managing expectations and and managing standards, which is not as fun, right? (laughs) But, you know, my mom is my biggest fan and she listens to all my podcasts and reads all my articles and and comes to my speaking engagements virtually. And um, she's, you know, what's inspiring me right now, um, just making her proud. I think that's so cool. And it reminds me, you know, I'm raising a four-year-old right now. I do. Even before any friendship or any work or whatever, I feel like I'll, I'll always start off owing you because you're one of the people making it better for him, mm, which you. is my mission in life, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's just nice to know I got help from smart people. Mm. Yeah, we we really appreciate you, Jackie. I mean, you are a big inspiration to us and we appreciate you helping us and coming on our podcast. And we're just really happy to, to have this thing going. Yeah. Of course. 
I've really enjoyed it. You know, I think that you both are, are so great, so great at what you do, just great humans. And I'm happy to, you know, be your friend and, and partner in this, in this journey. Well, let's all get a warm blanket and I'll go to Blockbuster and get us a movie. <laughs> and That's right. That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much. We're, we're deeply honored that Thank you, you both. Well, would come on and do this. And uh, thanks for everything you do. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. <laughs>